We are an energy company. It's more than just oil. We've been in power and gas for a while, but our primary objective here is the outcome focus. It's also to remove that complexity from procuring multiple energy technologies by the customer. That's what we really see as the breakthrough that's needed to advance how some of these offerings are provided in the market. This is EnergyCast, and I'm Jay Downhauer. Today we're talking about energy efficiency on a subscription basis. Once the lights are swapped out and a new coat of insulation is slapped between the walls, how can companies make their kilowatt hours stretch further? Our guests today believe they have a new way for companies being more efficient through a combination of physical equipment, software-based metrics, and even in some cases, their own retail power offering. When I interviewed my last efficiency guest about a year ago, I found it hard to believe that any companies in 2018 had not yet exhausted options for becoming more energy efficient. Now, there are always more efficient tools out there, but the way I see it, most companies have explored their options and determined that, yes, this is cost-effective, and no, this isn't. What I learned in my last interview was that many organizations are still not even remotely as efficient as they could be, and many of their best clients were public facilities like school districts, libraries, and other municipal buildings, which aren't always as cost-conscious as for private businesses. And then there are the technological advances. This mainly comes in the form of IoT, the Internet of Things, web-enabled devices that can monitor and send real-time information to help improve efficiency through advanced learning techniques. The Nest thermostat was one of the earliest IoT devices out there that really caught on. Back in Texas, we used to hear my man Matthew McConaughey in ads like this. Oh, this theater's cold, ain't it? And while you're sitting there wishing you had brought a sweater, here's some news that might warm your heart a little. Current Reliant customers can now get a Nest Learning thermostat even if they're already under contract. <laughs> of course, I always wish those ads had gone more like this. Say, man, you got a Nest Learning thermostat. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Kind of like McConaughey and ads these days, the goal is really for these devices to be silently working in the background, yet providing real measurable efficiency gains. As our guest today shows us, it's all of these processes working together, quietly, that will lead to a much more bright, energy-efficient future. Our guests, yes, guests today, are Eric Bradley, General Manager for Shell Energy's New Energies Division, and Pierre Lafarge, CEO of Spark Fund. Together with a third partner, Gridpoint, this trio have formed Shell Energy Inside, a subscription-based offering that fully integrates the components of an energy-efficient portfolio. Spark Fund, for instance, sees components like HVAC, electric car charging stations, even lighting, as something that would be better expensed on a subscription basis, same as the way offices rent copiers, desktops, and coffee makers. Gridpoint, the third partner, is responsible for the controls and analytics of energy efficiency. To hear that Shell, which many of us would view as an oil and gas company, is expanding into the energy efficiency space is probably a surprise to a lot fewer of us. Take a look at any commercial featuring a super major, that's the Shells, BPs, Chevrons, Exxons of the world, and they're touting technologies that don't fill your tank, right? 
But as I discussed with our guests, yes, Shell has actually produced electricity. Its natural gas has always fueled power plants, for instance. And as we move into technologies like electric vehicles and grid-scale storage, I think we're going to see that perceived imaginary line between power and oil and gas disappear. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Eric Bradley and Pierre Lafarge. Bradley with Shell Energy and Pure Lafarge with Spark Fund. Eric, Shell Energy, they've launched this new venture you're calling Shell Energy Inside, which is no small thing. So how did your partners Spark Fund and GridPoint get involved? Thanks for having us on the call. A little bit of background on the division that we're in. We're part of Connected Energies Division, which provides services at the customer premise behind the meter, so to speak. And as we were looking at ways to go into the market and offer something compelling, we talked with Spark Fund and GridPoint, and they are our initial partners for uh, the Shell Energy Inside products and services. We believe that the capabilities that they have are really table stakes to make this business a success. Spark Fund provides us the back end platform that enables Shell to bundle multiple solutions that can be delivered in a seamless fashion to the customer. And then GridPoint is our partner on energy management services, primarily on smaller commercial industrial customers, and we'll have other solutions for larger. And they provide a solution that helps us target those segments. And working together with both SparkFund and GridPoint uh, provides us the ability to provide a very simple solution for customers to reduce their energy expenses in a meaningful way. And Peer, your company, SparkFund, how were you guys approached by Shell and how did that all come together on your end? Yeah, Jay, thanks for having us on. We met some of the Shell team quite early on at a conference just a little bit over two years ago. and had some really wonderful conversations early on in both of our move into this space and realized that our visions for how we could really build a new way to bring value to customers inside the building really matched. And it's been a really great process and relationship. And when we've learned and built this new category in parallel. So it's been a great couple of years of, of working together. And Eric, all very new. Shell Energy inside this venture, it's a subscription-based energy efficiency company. Is that the most accurate way to describe it? Yeah, I'd add to that. This is really providing energy infrastructure to commercial industrial customers with energy efficiency as a start. I wouldn't consider us a traditional ESCO model in that we're not looking at a shared savings, but it's more around selling an outcome. And the outcome can be a certain level of costs. And that's where we believe some of the capabilities that both SparkFund and GridPoint and that other partners that we bring in will be able to help us put together pretty seamlessly some offers for customers that will allow them to control energy costs. That's one value proposition. Is there anything that you feel maybe other traditional energy efficiency companies haven't been able to provide as far as a suite of services that maybe something was missing in the past with other folks? I wouldn't say it's what's not being offered or what the other competitors are not offering. I think it's really more around how do you offer something that removes the complexity for the customer and also minimizes the capital that they want to put into energy efficiency or other upgrades that can lower or control their energy costs or, or even green their energy costs. And that's really the innovation here. It's this idea of paying a subscription model for the outcome that you desire. And the outcome, again, can be cost, efficiency, green, sustainability and putting it in a way where the customer doesn't have to think about it. It really is done behind the scenes and it makes it very seamless for them. Right. You're trying to simplify all this because I know it can get very complex. Here, look, I'm a big fan of subscriptions, revenue sharing, anything that can keep a revenue stream running long after what you would call the kit 
has been sold. So sounds like another big difference between you and other energy efficiency companies. It feels sometimes like a lot of efficiency companies, they tell you what to buy or have it all arranged. And once that project is complete, then they get out of it. But by it being a subscription, it's always going, you're always continually improving. Am I on the right page here? Yeah, that's right, Jay. And to build off Eric's comments, the real innovation that I am excited about and Joy and Eric and his focus on is to be able to sell function and outcomes. Efficiency is just one value stream that comes off of managing your infrastructure better. We've seen a wave of shift in how companies across categories procure. You look at servers in IT, very few businesses now take the time to own and operate their own servers. They use the cloud. We really are offering that same opportunity to get out of the business of generating cold air and warm air and light or resilience to storm events, whatever out outcome that you need in your building to run your business successfully and focus on that core business, focus on your mission. That's what subscription unlocks. We can really provide a huge cost advantage. It's not only simpler, it's higher quality, adding some of the controls and energy management devices that the Gridpoint and others bring. So we're not only making this cheaper and easier, we're adding new value and managing infrastructure better. And if I could just add to this through this arrangement, we're going to guarantee the function of the equipment, this idea of not having to worry about it and providing the operations and maintenance through partners across the life of the contracts. We really try to make this as turnkey for the customer as possible. He talks about servers trying to get a lot of that off-site. Is that what SparkFund is doing? No, you know, the metaphor is really about the economic logic of that sort of cloud-based outsourcing. Yeah. Obviously, you can take a server off-site, but you can't take HVAC and light off-site. <laughs> One of the reasons that it's taken that powerful logic of subscription that really has defined so many other categories, it's taken it a while to come into the physical world because it really took and takes the sort of scale that Shell brings to the market with this program. It takes the operating system, the platform that we've built, it takes technology like Gridpoint to really bring it all together. So we're providing the same economic logic and benefit of subscription that we've seen in other categories, but actually with physical infrastructure inside the building. Gotcha. Eric, you talked about simplicity and trying to make this very simple for customers to get their heads around. So there's you, Shell, there's SparkFund, there's Gridpoint. There's also an electric service provider for deregulated markets, MP2 Energy, also run by Shell. How will this work together as a unit? How will customers see this at play? From a customer perspective, this is going to be very simple. They'll contract, interact with Shell. It'll be one entity, SparkFund, Gridpoint. If we do work with our affiliate MP2, the, the retailer, they'll be a part of that as well. SparkFund and Gridpoint in the background, the customer is not going to be presented with separate contracts for each solution. We offer everything under the Shell Energy inside the way we've branded it. Under one contract, we believe will help remove some of the barriers to moving forward with what we think are more compelling solutions. And in cases where the customer might be interested in retail supply, that's where our affiliate MP2 would come in. Eric, look, if I were Shell, you guys are a big company. I would thought you would have cut a check and folded both of these companies into Shell. Is that a possibility or is there an advantage for it being three different entities, at least at this point? I don't want to speculate on different potential outcomes of the future. I think it's really more about what we're trying to do for customers. How could we most effectively work together with Spark Funding Gridpoint? And there'll be other partners along this platform. It was really more around how can we offer something that's seamless for the customer and then how that's actually contracted in the background is of less importance. Sure. This is really for both of you. I think I asked my last energy efficiency guest about how much is out there as far as gains that could be made. You just kind of almost feel like any major industrial commercial customer has pretty much done what they can do to be as energy efficient within the constraints of cost. Give us an idea about the market out there. How much more gains can all of these customers really make? 
I'll take a crack at that. And I think this really speaks back to the point about this not being an energy efficiency business, but really being an infrastructure business. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of corporates have invested heavily in the low-hanging fruit, particularly lighting. And much of this market has sold those customers' savings directly through performance contracting or other savings agreements. We're selling outcomes directly. And what customers do need and need a heck of a lot of is infrastructure. They have a lot of equipment, a lot of built environment, a lot of square footage, and a lot of the equipment that's in that space is old, particularly heating, ventilation, air conditioning. There's an emerging focus on backup generation as storm events become more severe. We really are selling, as Eric said, that guaranteed function to those infrastructure outcomes. We're selling them cold air and warm air to run their building, light inside the building, resilience to storm events directly. That is an enormous market, particularly as huge portions of that aging infrastructure reach end of life. That's particularly true with HVAC. Yeah. And Pierre, it would seem like the major value add for what you guys are providing is data on your electric usage, your energy savings, even carbon credits where applicable. What else is important to users? In a lot of companies I've worked for, we use KPI indicators, metrics, right, to show that you are improving or are saving. What does that look like for most people? One of the real values of subscription is we're taking what used to be old kind of dumb steel machines and we're bringing them alive. We really see an opportunity here to do what Amazon Web Services did with servers to to actually add controls, IoT, and real analytics, not just tell you what's happening with the equipment, but add layers of preventative maintenance and health analytics. Sensors help you figure out if an HVAC system is acting strangely or can actually lead to maintenance and repairs before they're needed, which prevents the most important risk here, which is when you have to get your employees or your customers out of a building because it's August and the air conditioning goes out. So again, that's back to that infrastructure focus. It's not just about data. It's about insight, control, preventative maintenance. And again, the peace of mind that those outcomes that they subscribe to on a service basis are going to be delivered, guaranteed. I would add that it depends on who you're talking to within the organization. CFO is probably going to be more interested in, does this help me manage my cost? Does it align with my revenue profile or how I operate the business? If you go to somebody in the operations area, they're going to want to know whatever changes are made, if any, through the service, that it's not going to disrupt business. If you go into facility management, of course, they're going to want to have data to be able to report on the performance of an HVAC system or any other distributed asset within the location and do benchmarking. So it really depends on who the stakeholder is within the company, what their needs will be and what they would expect to come out of the service. Some of it more data related, some of it much more outcome related around the performance of the business. And Eric, let's talk about the clients. You announced this venture just a few weeks ago. Do you already have clients signed up at startup? How's that looking right now? Yeah, we have a number of discussions ongoing that hopefully we'll be able to announce next year, but there's definitely an interest in the market with what we can bring and working with Spark Fund and GridPoint. We're hopeful that we'll see something in a couple of months. And look, this is a really interesting venture you guys got going on. But Eric, one of the things that I think a lot of people are going to be looking at when they hear about this story is what this means for the quote unquote super major conventional oil companies, right? It's another example of a company like yours, a super major oil company diversifying into something that isn't oil, right? Why do you think this is happening now across that industry? You see a lot of it with BP and it seems like all the Exxon commercials are not talking about oil and gas. They're talking about 
all their other technologies. So it gives us a very high level impressions about what's going on with these companies. I can talk from specifically what we're doing in Shell Connected Energy. And I'd say we are an energy company. It's more than just oil, but an energy company. And I think what you're seeing, there's a lot of very powerful trends. Certainly one is we're seeing that electricity is finding its way into more uses other than just turning motors and powering lights. But electricity is beginning to become part of the transportation fleet. And one of the things we didn't really talk much about with this platform is being able to enable EV charging and other services at a customer premise. Those features will become available over time. So electricity is becoming more important. I think with storm events that we've seen in various parts of the country, resiliency is a really big deal for clients and that's taking on more interest and there's things that can be done at the customer site that can help that. And then of course, energy costs and control have always been and will always continue to be important to clients. And there's better and more efficient ways to control energy costs with advances in sensors and computing And then, of course, the often talked about cost reductions in storage and battery storage and solar voltaic, it creates lots more choices for customers, which then creates the complexity that we think can be managed through outcomes. So there's a lot of these factors that are coming together that it's making it very compelling to be offering energy solutions to customers at the end use, at the premise. You know, Eric, I think people think of companies like Chevron and Shell as being oil and gas companies. But look, I mean, I used to work in fracking. I did a lot of water recycling for a lot of years and Shell's out there fracking. Shell produces natural gas, natural gas run power plant. You guys have MP2 that you're selling and making power there. It just seems like that's a logical extension, right? We've been in power and gas for a while. In the U.S., we have fairly active power marketing and gas marketing activities, and we're logically progressing down towards where we can offer solutions to customers given this convergence of the technologies that are available to customers. The computing and the sensing and the cost reduction and some of the distributed technologies, there's more opportunity to solve that complexity and take advantage of those cost trends and provide that in a subscription model to customers. Certainly. And then lastly, both Eric and Pierre, I live in a regulated market here in North Carolina. How would this venture work in regulated market areas? That should be interesting as well. I know you guys have a lot of focus because you guys are in Texas and that's deregulated, but how will this work in regulated versus deregulated markets? It'll be seamless. First, it's available all across the U.S. Any markets that are out there, regulated, deregulated. The only difference would be in the regulated market where you don't have a choice of your power supplier, then, you know, of course, you're beholden to the local utility. But many of these solutions that we're looking at are inside the customer premise or around the customer premise, and they can be put in regardless of whether it's regulated or deregulated. So I don't see this model being limited to competitive markets. And in fact, that's part of why we are setting it up this way, so it can have broad coverage and appeal. All right. Eric Bradley, Pierre Lafarge, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, likewise. Thanks Thanks for the interview. Thanks, Jack. That was Eric Bradley, General Manager for Shell Energy's New Energies Division, and Pierre Lafarge, CEO of Spark Fund, part of the new Shell Energy Inside program. I want to thank them for taking time to explain this new offering to our audience, as well as Taylor Griffith at Spark Fund and Cassandra Lim at Shell for arranging this interview. All guests are sent the raw and completed audio the week of release. So far, no complaints. I'll have a link to Shell's program, as well as plenty of pictures. You can find that at energy-cast.com and on Instagram at Host Energy. Be sure to leave us a positive review on iTunes. 
that gets the word out. Music was produced by Sean Stroop at Stroop Loops. That wraps up episode 48. Be sure to join us next week when we hit D.C. to talk the future of energy storage with the Young Association representing this industry within an industry. You won't want to miss it. Until then, I'm Jay Dauenhauer. We'll see you next time. Thank you.